Hi, this is Elliot Fishman, and welcome back to part two of CTM musculoskeletal trauma with the emphasis in vascular injury. And we left off looking at the hand, and you can see very nicely in this case with volume rendering the individual tendons, and then you can see as I look carefully in the volume rendering and the MIP that this patient has radial artery occlusion. This was a patient with trauma, or this patient who had uh, angioplasty and now had pain in the hand and a weak pulse. And you can see very nicely as you go through the images, the patient's bone. You can see the patient's radial artery is occluded, particularly nicely shown here. And you can see the wrist arcade uh, and the distal radial artery do show. Now, it's a very nice example showing you the importance of bone removal. Or this example in a patient who had a vascular access procedure Markedly obese patient, you can see the arm, but now we take away the soft tissues. You can see the bleed from the patient's brachial artery. You can see it within muscle. And then we'll go through the different renderings and then literally take away the bone. And there you see the obvious blush. So again, the ability to manipulate the images really helps you make the right diagnosis. Also in terms of the surgeon, it looks very much like a classic angiogram, so it works very nicely. Now, those are some cases of upper extremity trauma. What about the lower extremity? Lower extremity, it challenges timing. Depending on how long an area you're scanning, you want to change your protocol. If you're scanning from the bifurcation down, perhaps trigger off the bifurcation. If you're doing only beneath the knee, then perhaps trigger from the popliteal or superficial femoral. Again, the timing is critical. Sometimes, particularly in older patients, when the flow is asymmetric right to left, you're going to need to basically scan the patient twice, literally from the knee down. And that's really the best way of being able to get that vascular map. Now, in terms of anatomy, here's just a couple images showing you the anatomy. And again, the CTAs really match this anatomic drawings. Article by Cook, trauma to low extremities, can occur from blunt to penetrating injuries. Uh, penetrating trauma may occur secondary to ballistic, shrapnel, low velocity sharp objects, and may or may not affect the bones of the extremity depending on the trajectory of the ballistic missile. Cook also goes on to say that scanner protocols should adjust timing and multiphase acquisition to account for the clinical question of interest and she also comments that 3D imaging plays an important role in visualization. Uh, it's interesting that now everyone agrees that 3D imaging is a critical step in the interpretation of CTA and uh, MIPS and volume rendering are indeed very important. Curve planar reconstructions also have significant value. Uh, in this article, uh, some of the comments about the type of injury from active extravasation to hematomas to pseudoaneurysms and the like. And so when you think about upper extremity or lower extremity, it's basically the same types of injury. Example, here's a patient with a gunshot wound to the thigh. You can see the soft tissue injury. You can see the bullet. You can see the air around muscles, posterior left thigh. And here we can see very nicely on the volume rendering the patient's entry wound in the posterior aspect of the thigh. And there it is. And you can see then we could take this data set and create this vascular map showing that there's a hematoma in the subcutaneous tissues 
but there's no critical vascular injury present here. Now I mentioned that one of the things that's very important is the ability to do CTA at the same time you evaluate the fracture and uh, this way you get around the need for angiography. Sometimes you do the CT and then you say, gee, I wonder if there's vascular injury. Then you either need to redo the patient or they get sent to angiography. Well, here's a nice example of a complex femur fracture and you have to worry about vascular injury. Uh, this patient had a wall fall on them. Look at the angulation, the displacement of the femur fracture. But when you do the CTA, you can see very nicely that the patient's superficial femoral artery is intact. Here's the imaging here, two more views. Here's several views showing you the entire length of the aorta and lower extremity. And here I'll take away the bone and very nicely show you that the vessels are widely patent. So again, in this case, there was no need for further evaluation. This patient's femur was repaired, but there's no issue with vascular injury. Another patient, patient was cutting down a tree, the tree fell on them. Don't cut down trees. Call up someone else to cut down your tree. You can see a markedly comminuted tibial fracture on the left. It's an open injury. Here you can see a few more views. The air in the soft tissues, the foreign matter. And you can see we also used IV contrast because of the extent of injury. And you can see now I'm going to take away the bone. I can move bone around to look through the bone to see the vessels, which you can do here as well. But it's much easier to see when I remove all the bone that the patient has narrowing probably due to spasm of the anterior tibial artery. And again, the segmented images work ideal. Or this patient, gunshot wound, you can see some of the bullet fragments, the soft tissue, you can see on the sagittal view, some of the bullet fragments, the entry wound. And then you take these images, you remove the bone, remove the muscle, remove uh, soft tissues, and now you see occlusion of the anterior tibial artery, you see the multiple fragments of the bullet present. Just a very nice example. Or in this case, you can see from the axials alone, the popliteal artery in this patient with trauma is obscured on the left, it's well seen on the right, you see the hematoma on the left very nicely. And then as you reconstruct these data sets, you see the hematoma posterior aspect of the knee, and then you can see that the patient has basically an occlusion of the popliteal artery for several centimeters. Again, it's nicely shown in this example, but it's even better shown here when I take away all of the bony structures. You can see very nicely the uh, occlusion of the vessel. Another example, patient fell from the lawnmower, the lawnmower fell on him, the complication was the patient was on Plavix, and you can see the extensive soft tissue and muscle injury, as well as the extensive bleed that's present. Active extravasation, very nicely seen off a branch of the anterior tibial artery. Just a very impressive extent of bleed, nicely shown. Now we speak about the fact that when you have trauma and there's bullets in place, they can cause artifact. And this case shows the artifact well. We are working on ways of doing dual energy to decrease the metal artifact. But even with the metal artifact, you very nicely see the patient's extensive extravasation of contrast material. Yes, there is some artifact present, but the diagnosis doesn't change, and you're able to make the diagnosis very well in this example. 
you can see the contrast extravasation and evidence of the patient's muscle and vascular injury. Now when you look at soft tissue injury, it's kind of interesting. We do visualize it. I've just shown you a few cases where you can see the entry wound. And you can see in this patient who got bit by a Rottweiler, one of them really mean dogs. I don't know why you have one of those things. But anyway, look at the soft tissue injury. They had to shoot the dog and it still wouldn't open its mouth. Uh, very serious soft tissue and muscle injury for that patient. There even is erosion of portions of the patient's um, radius from the bite. And then when you look at the patient's imaging, you can see there's vascular occlusion, and there ended up being occlusion of the patient's uh, ulnar artery, very nicely shown there. Okay, so vascular occlusion, regardless of the injury, and again, this comprehensive exam of looking at bone, looking at vascular structures, and looking at soft tissue and, and muscle. Now, let me end this talk with just a few other points uh, to make, because this often comes up as related to vascular trauma. The question about what, it's, what about to do with a pregnant patient. Now, we speak about pregnant patients, PEs, we talk about doing them, we talk about appendicitis, if everything else fails. But in trauma, everyone would agree that CT is the study of choice. Trauma is the leading cause of non-OB maternal mortality, affecting up to 7% of pregnancies, and a significant cause of fetal loss. We talk about the ability to see the placenta, to see the fetus, and in this case, you can see the diastasis of the right SI joint, fracture of the iliac bone, and you can see the vascular map here very nicely showing you the iliac fractures, the symphysis fractures, the diastasis, and showing you the placenta is still enhancing normally and there's no injury to the fetus. In major trauma where there is concern for maternal imaging, or maternal injury that is, CT is the mainstay of imaging. Okay, radiation risk is there, but it's small compared to the risk of missed or delayed diagnosis of trauma. And this article by Sadro also makes the point that it, the main traumas are MVA, falls, and assault. Now, in terms of pelvic fractures, that's the one that's most concerning. Pelvic and acetabular fractures occurring in pregnancy are associated with a high maternal and higher fetal mortality rate. Okay, so particularly pelvic injuries, you need to make the right diagnosis very, very quickly. So that's very straightforward, and people do ask me that question all the time about how we deal with pregnant patients in the trauma setting, and here's a very simple answer. Okay, what else? In terms of the pelvis, we spoke about vascular injuries, but we talk about bony injuries, but it's other things that become very important, from soft tissue to bladder to colon. And again, the type of injury will often define the protocol and also the organs that are involved. So when you have a pelvic fracture and it's complicated, you're going to worry about the bladder. Do a CT cystogram. Okay? If you wait for the bladder to distend with contrast, you're going to miss 70% of trauma cases. You're just going to miss the bladder injury. You need to do a CT cystogram. This article by Isaac making the point that it's the uh, most recommended study for evaluation of the bladder in patients with suspected trauma. And we talk about bladder trauma, we talk about blunt penetrating and atrogenic trauma, with blunt being the most common. And that GU trauma occurs in up to 10% of patients with trauma. Bladder injury and rupture are rare, but they do occur. 
and up to 90% of patients with a bladder rupture often have or will have a pelvic fracture. And it's often one of the more complicated sets of pelvic fractures. When you look at bladder injury, you talk about extraperitoneal versus intraperitoneal. Majority are extraperitoneal, and these are the ones that are typically managed conservatively. You can see we put um, 30 cc's of contrast in a 500 cc bag of saline, shake it, and you drip it in under gravity. Very nice opacification of the patient's normal bladder in this trauma case or in this patient with a posterior acetabular fracture, which you see very nicely in the axials and now very nicely in the coronal views. You can see the bladder is pristine, looks normal, there's no bladder injury, there's no issue with potentially missing bladder injuries. Or this case, gunshot wound to the perineum, you can see the bullet there. Here's the CT cystogram pelvic injuries with gunshot wounds, you worry about bladder and you worry about rectum typically, you may need rectal contrast as well. Here's just a nice example showing you the bullet, but there's no evidence of injury to the bladder. And compare this to the next case where the patient had trauma, you can see the sacral fractures, you see the obvious extravasation intraperitoneally of contrast material. Just a very nice example, this patient's bladder will need to be repaired. Again, there's no mistaking it. We don't give IV contrast. Sometimes patients have IV in place already, as was the case here. But even with that, it's very easy for us to define the extent of extravasation. I mentioned we also worry about rectal injuries, gunshot wounds in the perineum, which seems to be a very popular thing in Baltimore. You worry about colon injury. The only way to be certain, yay or nay, is to extend the colon with contrast. Here's a nice example of that. And you can see the patient has no evidence of colon injury, though the patient does have a bullet present by the sacrum. And here's just another set of views of that. So the ability to visualize across a range of perspectives indeed becomes very important. So I've now gone through with you some of the points about trauma. We spoke, as always, about scan protocols and post-processing. We had a talk about, at the end, some of the things we don't think about, like the pregnant patient perhaps, or CT cystography, but most of the talk we focus on vascular imaging. And vascular imaging is critical in musculoskeletal trauma. Again, many of the findings of, that cause morbidity and mortality are indeed vascular, and so it's critical to do studies that are non-invasive, that are easy to perform even with difficult patients, and CT is one of them. And with that, I'll stop there, and thank you very much for your attention.